welcome to the North Witch Podcast with your hosts, Azario Flame and Sandra Von Holland. In this podcast, we explore all the things that can help us to be better and improve our lives in body, mind, and spirit. Looking at everything from witchcraft, sorcery, woo-woo, spirituality, biohacking, the mundane, and everything in between. We occasionally have on guests from various backgrounds, practices, and philosophies. We welcome everyone from all walks of life, from the left-hand path to the right-hand path, from the medical to the holistic, from the woo-woo to the scientific and everything in between. We have conversations and discussions about our experiences over the years, what works for us, what hasn't worked, and explore new theories and science, trying them out, seeing what works, and debunking what doesn't. Thank you for joining us on this wicked adventure along the crooked path as we adventure into the mysterious and wonderful world and welcome what truly works for us to become better witches, sorcerers, magicians, and our best selves so that we can live our best lives. May these conversations help you to ignite the light within. The views expressed by our guests on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of us here at Northwich Magic Co. All of the information shared on this podcast is anecdotal and shared for entertainment purposes only and does not constitute medical or financial advice. Always consult a doctor, physician, or professional in their field before trying any of the things that may be discussed on this channel. Magic and holistic healing should work alongside allopathic care when necessary. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to another exciting episode of the North Witch Podcast. On today's episode, we have Helena Dominic, who has written a lovely new book called An Illuminated Guide to Wicca, a Complete Visual Manual. So how's it going today? It's going good. Awesome. Um, you're asking me? Yes, it's going yeah. good. <laughs> sure. Well, we're happy to have you on here today. Thank and you. looking at your book, it looks like it's quite wonderful. So I thought yeah. I would just be, you know, a little bit naughty and just ask you right out of your table of contents, because your introduction oh, is why awesome. another book on Wicca. So I want to know <laughs> why another book on Wicca. That's perfect. Perfect oh, okay. spot to start. Thank you. Uh, well, I've actually wanted to have my own book on Wicca for a very long time because I think like a lot of teachers, um, I, I've taught Wicca for a very long time and I've always kind of created my own textbook for, for my classes. And so I've always thought, wouldn't it be cool if I actually had my own book that would go with it? That's one of the reasons um, on a really mundane and selfish level. Um, the other level of it is I'm also an artist and I learn things visually. And so I thought creating a book that included a lot of illustrations, um, to point up things like the holidays and the elements and things like that with a lot of visual cues uh, might help people who are visually oriented. So, um, and it gave me uh, a good reason to, you know, spend about a year and a half creating a lot of pictures that are just for the book. So, um, yeah. That's pretty exciting, really. Thank you. I always wanted to have my own illuminated manuscript, too, because I was, uh, ever since college, I've been kind of um, a little obsessed with illuminated manuscripts, you know, like the Celts and the Book of Kells and things like that. That's, that's fun that you bring up the Book of Kells, because uh, I'm actually a Kells. 
So that's oh, pretty that's amazing. That's pretty fun. <laughs> that is. <laughs> so, and this is this is what happens on our podcast. We find yeah. all the different synchronicities that we have. Yeah. So that's really that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so how how did you enjoy that process? Because I, I just finished putting together a nice course that I'm teaching here. And ah. you know, it's always interesting when you start putting these things together, how much you actually mm -hmm. learn in the process. You know, the spirits kind of jump in and start showing you what's what. And so did did you get a a bunch of that, like a whole a whole bunch of extra inspiration as you were going? Uh, yeah, definitely. Um uh, my friends and I sometimes refer to it as like you get the download, you know, when you're opening yourself up. And I, um, what I found was it was really useful in fleshing things out more, things that uh, I might have just had in my notes but expounded on in class. You know, it was like, okay, this is now a time that I can actually put this in writing and put it out there in the world. Um, so yeah, and, and I think more so, you know, I've always loved writing and I've always loved words, but I've, I love art a little bit more and uh, maybe a lot more. And so <laughs> for me, the, um, the inspirational part of it, I guess, and the download part is really what happens when I start putting images together, because I really do feel like those um, don't all come from me. You know, it comes from um, somewhere else. And as, as far as the words go, I, I think most of them are mine, but the imagery is really where I feel um, the connection to spirit and inspiration. Very nice. And so in, in your book, do you, since you're kind of gearing it more towards a visual thing, do you have, you know, like uh, visual cues for rituals and things like that in there? Is, is that kind of uh, how you put it together or? Actually, um, it's more like visual cues to kind of remember stuff. Um, I'm kind of looking at it right now and remember what I did. I did include have them include like pages that are kind of like this so that Ooh, the nice. reader can go in. And I'm one of those people who's not afraid of writing in my books and making notes and annotations and things. And so I really wanted to in, encourage um, people reading the book to, to not be afraid of that, you know, because I've had a lot of librarian friends who are like, no, 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 you must never write in the book and you must never bend the, you know, the binding and stuff. But like, for example, um, here where I'm talking about the elements, I've got kind of um, an elemental dancer there. And then uh, just kind of, uh, it could even be its own little flashcard, you know, of correspondences having to go with fire. So um, yeah, I'm not sure what your question was, but did I answer it? <laughs> yeah. I, I think we, I think we got there. We're good. Okay. Yeah. And then a lot of it, like for some of it, um, I wanted, I, my own coven, I had people posing, um, oops, I'm not holding it up very well for the pictures for, um, when we were doing ritual and things, although I, I'm not somebody who really, um, wants to take pictures during ritual, but it was kind of a lot of recreation going on um and i feel like i really like feel like those are the pictures where i was working with people that i know that i really kind of feel the most 
So um, yeah, that was the one picture I found without like getting absorbed in the book and <laughs> not looking at the screen. <laughs> Very awesome. And so what, what tradition, like, is this your own tradition that you're teaching through here or do you have uh, well, a lineage that you're coming from or, you know, like um, we all have different things, right? <laughs> yes. So I was a member of the assembly of the sacred wheel, which is a big tradition out here. Um, it was started in Delaware and now has covens through Pennsylvania and uh, New Jersey and Maryland and the District of Columbia. And uh, I was with them for many, many years, but decided uh, in 2018 that my art was really what was calling me more. And I was actually, um, I gave up quite a lot. I was an elder in that tradition. And it was um, very time consuming. And, you know, I was also, I'm not getting any younger. And I was driving um, a lot of great distances to do things with them. And um, I just felt like it's, I think this is the time that I have to go do art stuff. And so, um, so, but I, so the bottom line is I'm very influenced by things that the assembly of the sacred wheel um, taught me and that I learned from them. And um, I've interacted with a lot of different traditions uh, during my time with them and um, after then as well, um, locally and, uh, you know, a little more out there in the world. So um, it's an eclectic tradition, um, a lot of Kabbalistic influences brought in more so than I think in a lot of uh, Wiccan traditions. And also like, it's not a Gardnerian tradition by any means um, because it's much more free flowing and not as secretive. Nice. Yeah, and I like, those are the elements I like and that I want to continue. I just felt like um, I'm also a college professor um, along with, <laughs> I have ADD, so I do many things. <laughs> it's benefited me in some ways and, you know, held me back in others, but I always have, you know, multiple um, spoons and multiple pots. So um, it was kind of, so I'm a, a college professor and an artist and trying to write and do my art was just, it was just really hard with uh, all of the things that the assembly also was requiring of me. So um, yeah, I went independent, you could say. <laughs> awesome. So that's a great chapter though, that you just said, like you said, and it's, you're not uh, getting any younger so that you yeah. embraced that and just went, right? And yeah. <laughs> So that is great. Oh, thanks. Yeah, kind of hit at an interesting time in my life because I'd been teaching at a state university, another state university for 18 years. And that also during the pandemic um, came to an end. And I'm working at a different university that is actually um, has many more opportunities for the arts and things like that. So it's sort of like it, it is really a new chapter in a lot of ways. That is so exciting. And just look how vibrant you are with it, this new chapter, right? You can tell how much you are with your art, right? All the things line up, you know? Yeah. 
And so now is this book kind of meant to be just like a self-initiatory journey through it? Is it kind of laid out for, you know, like the beginner to self-initiate into the witchcraft mysteries, so to speak? Or Yeah, that's a good uh, question because I did not really write a self-initiatory um, chapter into it. Uh, I left that more up to the individual. It was more like, here are a lot of different groups that you might be interested, a lot of different traditions. Here is a style of casting and calling and creating magical space that I was taught. And here's how some other people do it. And here are the magical tools that most people like to have. Here's a few others, you know, so and here's some tools if you want to explore and see and then decide, do I want a tradition? Do I not want a tradition? You know, and I didn't really I feel very strongly that the gods initiate people and that that is um when you mark it, you can mark it with a ritual, absolutely. And um, and sometimes a ritual can also um, propel you onto the next level. Uh, so maybe that'll be my next book because <laughs> I didn't really address it here. It was just more like, here's what to do if you're just starting out. Awesome. And also the other thing I should mention is uh, the assembly does not require, at least uh, at, as of the last time that I was a member of them, they don't actually require initiation. Um, a lot of people at least get their first degree, but it's not an absolute hardbound, you know, requirement. So that was the attitude I was coming out of. Fantastic. That That is, you know, there's lots of people that they just want to study it or they want to attend the mm -hmm. rituals or whatever, but they don't want to be, you know, formally initiated. So I totally get mm -hmm. that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I kind of also feel I've come around to a different way of thinking about um, initiating within a tradition too, because I think, um, I think we want to be more careful about how we phrase things like initiation. And a lot of people take oaths at their time of initiation. And what does that really mean? And, you know, what, uh, for how long, are you expected to maintain that oath as well? So I think um, that's been something that's bubbling up in my head too lately. And that's a really, really valid point. And, you know, like I, I have initiations into quite a few different traditions for various mm -hmm. things and you know some of them once once you've taken that oath you know there's no going back right so it's mm -hmm. you you really have to be careful with mm -hmm. what, what you're saying what you're what you're doing and <laughs> yeah you know, and you know I, I i personally would side with you that i think people should just be you know working the path and then when the spirits mm -hmm. say it's time you will know right mm yeah that's 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 how i do things now anyway that's <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> interesting the the journey <laughs> i was only in my 20s when i really started this and the one thing i always say about i'm now um i'll be 60 next year which i can't quite believe but i will and i feel like you know age may not always bring wisdom, but it does bring perspective. It does give you that opportunity to look back and be like, yeah, okay. You know, I, I have some distance now. I can see some things. Absolutely does. It's a true blessing getting older, really. I, I, you know, in so many ways, it actually is. Like my hair going gray has allowed me to play with so many colors. 
<laughs> yeah, I, I keep being drawn to your hair. I just, I'm <laughs> loving it. Thank you. <laughs> and that your nails match your hair. That's oh even, yeah, that was my nails were actually black and white, and yeah. the um the dye I use um punky colors for those of you who need to know, and it dyed my nails too. So everything is that actually how you how you turned them purple? That's funny. Yeah, it is unintentionally, and no wonder really it matches love. your hair so perfectly. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> see and that's with being older that we can just do that stuff yeah exactly it's great because it's okay yeah. yeah so now we always like to ask our guests when they come on if they have any tips tricks or secrets for people that are looking into doing what they do so since mm. you are a wiccan elder and you have all of these mm. years of experience what looking back using your wisdom that you now have <laughs> what, what would you give as suggestions or guideposts for people that are wanting to just get into witchcraft or a mm -hmm. wiccan lineage or mm -hmm. however they want to do it okay um well i would say do try to it depends on i know now you know i i lucked onto a tradition very early on in my life and i know a lot of people spend their whole lives looking for one so um i feel very fortunate and i live in an area where it's very easy to find people so um i know for some parts of the country that's not necessarily true um so i would say do your very best to research as much as you can about um, a variety of paths because uh, there is so much out there and there's so many different flavors and um, some everybody does something a little bit differently that you may may find you agree or don't agree with but because there's so much out there it's worth it to really um, try to do the research and how to do the research too is uh, when, you know, back in my day, we didn't have the internet, you know, um, so you had to rely on bookstores, bookstores were our community centers, you know, and I think that um, a lot of people like working alone, but I think there's a lot to be said for community and seeking out other people. And so I really think um, trying to talk to people as many people as you can is really important. And Again, going back to the thing, like I just had somebody in California send me a message over Instagram because they couldn't find anyone in their area. And I was, and they're near San Francisco. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's kind of like Witch Central, you know? <laughs> so, um, but fortunately, I know people out there that I can hook them up with. So I think if you're not sure, where to go or what to do just start talking to people reach out to somebody as this person did uh to me and you know again really i think looking on TikTok is something a lot of people are doing right now and i think in many ways that can be useful but i also think it can be harmful because they're not getting you know they're getting a very um I think there's some people doing some things like Jason Mankey is doing some things on TikTok that are very useful. And um, I think he manages to do deep dives 
within the three minutes, you know, or whatever it is that you're allotted. Um, but a lot of it is very superficial. So like, don't take anything at face value. And, um, and just like I said, talk to a lot of people, listen to your gut. I mean, that's one thing um, throughout my life, it, in all aspects of my life, whether it's magical or otherwise, listen to your gut about what feels right and what doesn't, and who feels okay and who doesn't. And uh, really pay attention to that and trust yourself. You know, really trust yourself um, and be brave at the same time. Don't be, don't let your fears hold you back from um, going forward and meet new people, but pay attention to your fears when they come up. So yeah, that's brilliant advice. Absolutely. Yeah. There's, I've heard so many horror stories of people getting involved with groups that, you know, did you know, inappropriate sexual initiations and things like that. And I think um, sometimes people get into a mentality of, oh, this is the only way I can find this out. And it's so not true, which is why I'm like, just keep digging, dig, dig, dig. Because it's, it's out there and the good people are out there. Sure. Yeah, sometimes we just have to sift through, but trusting yeah. your instincts is so huge. And that that yeah. takes a while to actually, you know, trust yeah, what yeah. is being told to us, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, some of that comes with age, too. I wish, you know, I wish I had, um, ha you know, even half the confidence that I had when I was in my 20s, that ballsiness, you know, that we kind of lose along the way to go with the perspective that I have now. Oh, wouldn't it be great to be having yeah, all, that, all that, the whole thing? All over the world, yeah. <laughs> but I think our young people now are so far ahead of where we were. Gosh, yeah. Right, like yeah. It's, and it's a lot more open. Yes. So we find that here anyways, is there, are you finding that there? I am. Um, it's interesting because I really I was scared going from one school to another because at my previous school, I had been very closeted because um, it was an HBCU, which means historically black college and the evangelical black church is very anti witch anti occult anti anything like that. So I didn't talk to anybody about anything on that campus and on the campus that I'm on now I'm walking around wearing pentacles and you know openly pagan and the kids are like that's really cool you know and nobody bats an eyelash yeah. so um it's really uh interesting to see where you are and it's a more it's actually a more central Pennsylvania campus where you wouldn't expect to find that so so what do you think is the difference? Is it just the time we're in or what do you feel mm, like? The I think um, these kids today, um, I, I think that, you know, for all, all that youthful pushiness, right? Um, which sometimes annoys us older people. I think it's really great that they're saying, you know what? Um, I am, you know, non-binary and I accept it. So I'm going to need you to do that too. And I think that their, um, their openness about things like that is really amazing and has, is part of what has really pushed things forward. And I think um, the Me Too generation, because I think of things, you know, that 
I saw happening when I was much younger that that would not go today, you know? Um, so I think, I think it's great. You know, I really, I think it's a lot of it has to do um, with them. Just, I'm not sure what in our DNA finally got passed down <laughs> to make that happen with this particular generation. But I really appreciate that they, um, they let us know, they talk, they don't keep things under wraps too, um, which I think is a big, that was profoundly true of my generation. You know, um, now it's like, I'm gonna get it out there in the open and, um, you know, I'm not comfortable in this situation and I'm gonna let you know about it. It's a great perspective. And because you're submerged in it too, to see that, so. Yeah, I've really seen it develop. It's interesting, yeah. 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 And, you know, it's been hard sometimes, too, because I've made mistakes. But that's the other thing. If I had something to say too to somebody coming just coming into Wicca, you will make mistakes. It will happen, you know, but that's part of the learning process. And you're not going to be um, able to develop completely unless you do fall on your face a few times. For sure. And that's yeah. with everything, really. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But don't, you know, fear keeps people from doing things. Fear of making a mistake often keeps people from doing things. And, you know. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Fear is such a liar and it's such a controller yes. of our minds. Yes, it's horrible. Yeah. So that takes, that's part of the journey to learn about the fear's a liar, really. And just. Right. Yeah. Do, I like that. So. Fear's a liar. Yeah. <laughs> I use another word for it too, but. <laughs> Here's a, you know, that F word. I, that, I can guess. Yeah, that is, I actually have it on my bulletin board in front of my computer at home. It's like, oh, that's great. Here it is. A, mm -hmm. <laughs> because it is, it just holds us back yeah. so much. And yeah. it's, as, a, uh, you know, getting older, it's like, stop it. I, even this is, yeah. even with our podcast, I was a guest on a podcast. Zariel mm -hmm. has been after me for like four years. Mom, let's do a podcast. I'm like, ah, what do we, who will care what we have to say? Who will want to mm -hmm. do it? Mm -hmm. And I was a guest on a podcast with some great friends. And I came back to work. I'm like, why aren't we doing our podcast? <laughs> That's great. And then we started because why? Because I was afraid that Mm -hmm. who will care what we have to say and right turns out a lot of people need it yeah i know I, I have an hour-long um draw i just started this year getting into podcasts i had not really paid a lot of attention to them before but um i have an hour drive to work now so i've started Perfect. you know paying attention to podcasts so i will That's definitely the best time for them it is it really is you know um and there's so many so many great subject matters yes, out there yeah definitely but i've been sticking with mostly witchy ones mm -hmm. <laughs> but yeah that's um, also the thing there's so many too yeah it'll be good to get you subscribed and <laughs> yeah, i'm on it i'm on it no, i'm okay. so on it <laughs> <laughs> So now, since your book is, uh, you know, kind of like an introduction to, you know, this is kind of like the broad strokes type thing. And mm -hmm. since we've got you on here, and a lot of our listeners probably mm -hmm. aren't familiar with just, you know, different strains of Wicca and whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I know you have a chapter in there that kind of tells a little bit about the difference between the Wiccan traditions mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. why you might want to choose them. 
what, yes. what what do you have to say about that and can you cover a little bit of that for our listeners sure um it was really important to me to have that chapter in there because um you know there's you have witches you have wiccans you have pagans you have um heathens you have people of all different kinds of stripes and i think um something that trips up a lot of people in the beginning is um well, if I want to be a witch, do I have to be Wiccan? And of course, the answer to that is no, you know, you don't. Wicca is a, comes out of a very uh, particular way of doing things that was created by Gerald Gardner, of course, in England um, back in the 1950s. And it's very laden with, uh, uh, overlain with his worldview. You know, and as it's come down to us through time, because um, I think it was Ray Buckland who brought Wicca to the United States from England. Um, once it got here, I think it really started to mutate because, of course, I think Gardnerian Wicca really wants people to be, uh, well, you have to follow this lineage and you have to be able to say that, you know, your high priest was initiated by this person who was initiated by that person and tracing it all the way back to Gerald Gardner. And that's what makes it Gardnerian Wicca. And, um, and the same thing with Alexandrian Wicca, except it's Alexander's instead, although they, you know, read my book, you'll all know all about it. Um, <laughs> but I think there's a lot of people who looked at those ideas and were like, I really like that. I like the name Wicca. Um, you know, I actually had um, a friend and Wiccan student who went to Bryn Mawr College and she was trying to track down the meaning of the word Wiccan because uh, I think Gardner tried to say it's an Anglo-Saxon word meaning to bend. And um, the Anglo-Saxon scholars that she spoke to at Bryn Mawr College didn't seem to agree with that. So um, my feeling is I don't care if it's all made up because ultimately all religions are all made up. So find the one that um, that suits what your needs are, you know, because one of the other things about Gardner is um, all of the rituals, at least on what they call the inner court, you know, the the, the people that are actually part of a coven, um, they're naked. And, you know, maybe not everybody wants to be naked in rituals, so you may not want to be Gardnerian for that reason, uh, or, you know, um, maybe not have so much secrecy around what you do as they do in Gardnerian Wicca. Um, I often tell people, too, that the difference is if you like to argue with people on the Internet, um, <laughs> these are the things you need to know um, that they're arguing about. Um, I don't think that one way is better than another. I mean, that's one thing that I think Wiccans often get, and I don't know why. I don't know what the basis of it is. A lot of Wiccans get painted with like the fluffy bunny brush, and I'm not sure I understand that at all, because most of the people I've met coming up from where I came up from are definitely not fluffy bunnies, you know, we're very serious about what we do. Um, so I, I'm not sure where that comes from. But yeah, there and there's also, I think, um, 
as it came to the United States, feminism became more infused into it too. So you get Dianic Wiccan, Wiccans, who um, some of those are all female covens um, with no men, and then some of them do allow men. And so it depends on you know where you're coming out of from that. So I think understanding all of that is uh, is important. You know, and I also think people need to kind of, okay, we do things differently. Let's try to be more ecumenical um, because, you know, we're all kind of in this situation of being in a minority religion, you know, maybe not so a minority now, but. And what is the differences between Wicca and Pagan then? Ah, okay. So, um, well, I think Wiccans, are pagan generally um, because one of the things most Wiccans are polytheists. Now there's some that I'll argue some different things, but I'm going to stick with poly. Wiccans are polytheist. Pagans tend to be polytheist as well. Um, as I said, um, the most of the Wiccans I know, it's not only are we polytheists, but there's a certain um, I guess a liturgy, if you will, where, you know, when you go into ritual, you cast the circle, you call the quarters. Um, a lot of this comes out of ceremonial magic as well, but, you know, in Wicca, it has its own kind of flair. Um, the things that we share are a love of nature and embracing uh, the feminine in the divine, which was always something that I really loved. Um, but in with people that are pay, kind of like, free range pagans, I guess you could say. They are um, some, there's a lot of differing ideas about what happens when you go into sacred space and what, how it should be handled. Um, you know, for example, I've met pagans who feel that we don't need to call the quarters because they're around us all the time. So, uh, and so I would say maybe they're a bit less structured in their approach. Whereas if you are Wiccan, um, as opposed to pagan or um, say a witch, you are following a very particular type of path. Um, and witches also are not necessarily um, even theists sometimes. You know, you don't necessarily have to be um, believing in a deity at all to, um, to practice witchcraft. So right. um, that's another main difference. It's a huge topic. Isn't it? It just oh, goes. It really is. Yeah. We, we could go yeah, on and Bottomless. On. Yeah. And I like, uh, that's one of the things I like about going to conferences is meeting a lot of different people that way and hearing how different people do things, you know, because we haven't even touched on, you know, the African traditional religions at this point either, which are a huge part of this country. And I don't know, actually, I, sh I know people I can ask, I don't know if they would consider themselves pagan either, you know, I don't know. So probably that answer has as many um, responses as, you know, what kind of Wiccan are you? <laughs> and what do you think about all the labeling? Does it matter to you? Like, does it, do you mm -hmm. think it's important to say, ooh, like to actually put the label on where your belief lies? Or can you be a nice uh, 
collage of many. Like where do you, where do you, what do you think? I think both things are possible. I think both things are useful. I think labels are useful in that you, um, if you are somebody that wants to uh, have a particular line of study, it can be very useful um, for the labels, just so that you know, if I'm picking up a book um, written by a particular person, like if I'm picking up a book written by Starhawk, it, her version of Wicca is not really gonna resemble Gerald Gardner's very much. So it's very useful to have labels in that regard. Um, but I also think that um, I, I've thought about this a lot, you know, in the past couple of years that it would be nice to just not have a label and to just do the thing. And I, I've known, uh, like I think of Jason Miller, um, for example, uh, who wrote, um, I think his website is Strategic Sorcery, Sorcery, and he's written a number of books and he has um, a series of classes on Hecate, which I've taken and I really love. And then he also has um, a series of classes about uh, Jupiter, which are really cool. And then he also gets into St. Cyprian and, you know, he gets into some, a lot of different things that are like, well, wait a minute, how can you have that tradition next to that tradition? And I think, you know, his thing is, well, if it works, I like it, I'm going to use it. And I think, think there's value to that too you know so I think it's there's it, you know the world is our oyster and we can kind of choose pick and choose what we want to do is right now is what I feel you know I I for myself um I do draw a line where I'm like yeah you know what I agreed that I was pagan and not Christian so I'm probably not going to go and do the St. Cyprian school you know but um, cause that's just where the line that I drew in my own sand, but you know, other people may feel differently. Right. Absolutely. But yet you, just... you could probably take St. Cyprian course just mm -hmm. for the knowledge and go, oh, right. what are those pieces? And now I know this. Yeah, that's right? true. Just with you being a professor, right? It's just, yeah. Oh, sure. More in your mm -hmm. info file. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it really does come down to that individualistic thing. Like, I mean, mm -hmm. I've taken the Hecate courses and I've taken the Cyprian course and they are very, mm -hmm. very, very different, but mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. like I have no trouble. I have two different altars. Mm -hmm. I do, I, mm -hmm. I do all different things, but you know, mm -hmm. some people, they couldn't, they just simply couldn't do that. But right. you know, like uh, through doing witchcraft over the years, you know, for the most part, you can go to, a ritual no matter what the strain of witchcraft is and the basic mechanics are going to be fairly similar and pretty much the right. same we can usually figure it out right but yeah and, you know like uh, if you're doing you know like the fairy tradition with starhawk and stuff mm -hmm. like that mm -hmm. they're going to be working with very very different quarter guardians than you would be if you were doing mm -hmm. say corellian wicca or whatever right, right? so right so I, I i think it's we all end up having our own flavor in the end a little bit anyway, even if we are within the same tradition. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It's just fascinating to see all the, you know, it's like I have ADD and I, I think I said this earlier, I want to know all the things, you know, but then at some point I realize, all right, I, you know, this is how many hours I have in a day and in a week. And I also have to go do this job thing that I have, you know, <laughs> um, so <laughs> sometimes it's a matter of practicality. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So do you give kind of um, tips or ideas or anything in your book for how people, you know, can manage a daily practice? Because that's one thing that I mm. have noticed with the newer generation that people have a lot, mm. they have a very hard time committing, getting the discipline mm. in, you know, mm-hmm. some of us that have been doing it for a long time, we're like, well, five mm. minutes in front of your altar every day is, you know, right. that's better than none, right? Right, and, you know, right. And lots of them are like, well, if I can't sit down and do a 45 minute circle casting, I'm not doing anything. Oh my so, goodness. <laughs> so do you, do you have tips and tricks for, you know, kind of how to build that daily practice in your book? Yeah. Um, I talk mo- a lot about meditation because I I think that is the cornerstone of everything um, magical because it involves um, focus. And once you can meditate, you know, that can go into other things. It can help you um, visualize, which for me, visualization is is huge. I know it's not as much for some people, but again, um, I encourage people to here's, you know, take you know five minutes you don't have to do it's good when you can maybe once a month do a whole full-blown 45 minute ritual but if it's you're you're going to find that the benefits of taking five minutes every day whether you are doing a meditation or you're doing the um i didn't actually talk about this in the book but i think you know doing some kind of practice like you know the lesser banishing um, ritual of the pentagram, you know, some equivalent of that, you know, um, I just think it's really helpful to kind of keep bad energy off of you for one thing, you know, start your day that way and kind of have your, your protections up around you. So as you go throughout the day, you know, other people's crap is not flying at you as hard. Um, and there'll be other benefits to it too, you know? So that's, I think what I've tried to say um, and to realize that it's stuff that you build on. So, you know, you're not, you shouldn't try to do, you know, the, the heavy intense lifting until you've built up the muscle mass. So build up your muscle mass by, you know, doing these little exercises until you get there, whether they're mine or somebody else's. For sure. I would totally agree with that. And, you know, like all these people, you know, they wait, I can only do it my as bad on the full moon, or I can only do this at this time or whatever. <laughs> so, okay. You do a 45 minute ritual once a month on the full moon. That's really, really cool. But now if you did five minutes every day, how much more time do you have invested into your overall practice? Right. Versus- right. And how much more smoothly is that S bat going to go to, I think, is is the key to it because i know if i wait a month from doing something before i do something else stuff gets lost you know i kind of need um that connection you know that you get from doing something every day from day to day consistency yes consistency going right yes exactly and hopefully it's going to make you feel good you know, I mean, that's another thing um, that it's a good reason to do it. It um, is going to, I think it just helps you hold more of your own light. 
that, that leads into another question that we usually typically ask and that's mm -hmm. how how would doing this benefit somebody's life like why why would somebody mm -hmm. want to read your book why would somebody want to get into wicca mm -hmm. what are what are the positive mm -hmm. benefits of it mm, uh, the positive benefits are many um and i'm Wicca in well, if it's your thing, then um, it, I think it's something that can bring you a lot of joy. You know, um, one of the other things that um, we do in Wicca is we honor eight holidays out of the now a lot of people nowadays are like well those holidays are obsolete they're from celtic europe and you know we're in a completely different temperate zone and da 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 da, da. but i think it's more about following um the traditions uh of the year and how they affect where you are and so how can i adapt this to where I'm at right now and what kind of meaning and usefulness can I make out of this? So I think um, it goes on with um, the benefits that you get are things that, um, I'm trying to make a point about kind of like Joseph Campbell and following a myth cycle and the enrichment that you can get out of that, you know, and that magic is real and i believe that the gods are real and so if these are the kinds of connections that you're trying to establish um it's going to make that flow much more easy much more easy for you it's going to bring more joy into your life um i'm also like i said much very about community too and talking to other people who are interested in it because pagans are some of the coolest people i know um and the most embracing of people that I know of people with all kinds of differences too, which, um, you know, in, I think is what we need right now, uh, a lot more um, openness to different ways of being uh, in the world. And I think Wicca kind of answers all of that. You know, it gives you the appreciation for nature. It gives you respect for the, um, the feminine and the divine. It gives you, um, that touch of the mystical, uh, and the notion that, you know, there's something beyond here too. That's a great explanation. Thank you. That was great. Thanks. And I, I would have to agree with you about being pagans are, are probably more open and I don't know, I, I have a hard time with labels. I'm not a great labeler, but, mm -hmm. um, because I just think we're so much more than just one label. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I feel like my generation was trying so hard to get away from labels. And now um, everybody wants labels and needs no, labels. So and I, there's got to be a happy medium in there. You know? I agree. There's got to be a bit in there. But yeah. yeah. We don't need so many labels, I think. But mm. um, I like the openness in yeah. this community. And it, like you say, it to find your community is huge. Yeah, it really is. I, I, I've never quite understood the whole solitary path to be very frank. I know a lot of people that's what they do and that's for them, but I, um, maybe there's a part of me that's more extroverted that needs that. Uh, I don't know, but I also find, I don't know, it's just part of the richness. Yeah, that's a good way to look at it for sure. 
Yeah, what good. else did you just read there? I saw you reading something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just perusing the book here. Oh, okay. <laughs> I love the art. It's absolutely beautiful. Oh, thank you. I know. I was thinking Danny's just going to love that art. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Yeah, I'm. Uh, my next book that I'm thinking about is an and I've actually started doing the illustrations and the writing for it, but pulling it all, it'll come together. Um, I want to do an illuminated guide to Kabbalah and tarot um, because those two things are something I really, really love, and I think that there's a lot of tarot people and a lot of Wiccans too who are like, oh, Kabbalah, blech. I don't want to go there. And um, I think it add for me, it's always added another layer of richness and just another way of comprehending the universe better. And I feel like that's begging for some visual aids there. So I want to do that. That's exciting. Oh, thanks. <laughs> it's a long time, but <laughs> oh, it all is, right? It just but... yeah. How exciting on the horizon to come and the creativity and bring it out. What will come from it? <laughs> yeah. So what types of uh, circle openings and closings do you have in here? Because that's, that's, you know, it's kind of one of those things that seems very universal, but we all have our own flair to it. Yeah. So I'm actually, I need to look. <laughs> it's horrible. Um, what did I put in here? La, 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 la. All right. I did spend a lot of time talking about um, how to create circles and how to create. Uh, ah, yes. So um, talking about why it's important to cast uh, and call is to create sacred space. And I've always seen that as you can do it anywhere. You don't necessarily now i think in some ways this may have impeded us a little bit as pagans because there's not a lot of buildings that we can do go to you know and say i'm going to my temple today and to do my thing but on the other hand i can create a, a magical circle in my living room and you know open it up so i think i talk about um different per what is the purpose of the ritual that you're doing it for you know, for example, um, and you may want to skew it towards that. Uh, and what level um, of working are you doing too? Because um, you may want to create quarters that are a little bit stronger. You know, some of the wording that uh, was used in earlier ceremonial magic rituals has come down into um, Wiccan use and use of words like the the watchtowers and so forth like when I first started out I had no idea what a watchtower was I just called on it you know when I was opening the quarters and it wasn't until later that I was like that's a thing and I should probably know what that thing is <laughs> so, so I actually give um exercises and um some prompts for writing your own and thinking about your own and then trying to put it together for yourself because I feel that um you could go to a book and use somebody else's quarter calls but you can I always feel like your own magic is the strongest. So writing your own. And there's also, you know, sometimes that also is assuming that somebody speaks. You know, there's people that maybe 
that's not their biggest thing. So you could, you know, visualize the quarters. You could, um, I've seen people dance the quarter or sing the quarter, you know, so there's a lot of different ways and reasons in which to do that. You know, um, it depends on what kind of energy you really want, I think, in your circle too. So did I answer your question? I think that was good. Okay, good. <laughs> so you did give me an a interesting question there, though, because I get okay. different answers from different people when I have them on here. So what okay. what do you consider a watchtower? You know, some people it's mm -hmm. it's an Enochian watchtower. Some people it's actually mm -hmm. the watchtower of the watchers from the Book of Enoch. You know, mm -hmm. some people it's just the gate to opening up to that realm. What? So how mm -hmm. do you view the watchtowers? Yeah. So I um. Yeah, I don't do a lot of Enochian workings. So if I were to say watchtower, I think I see it more as the gateway into that realm and that a watchtower implies that there is somebody there watching. So I've always kind of seen it as like an elemental place. So, you know, somewhere that, you know, in the East you have the sylphs, you know, and in the South you have the salamanders. So that, that everything that is, associated with eastness or westness is what you're going to find at the watchtower very good i, I like that oh, nice. and, and yeah like lots of people you know when they they're doing their quarter calls that's you know it's just specifically for the elementals or it's specifically right, for right. this or whatever so i i always love when it's a it's it's the eastness because there's so much more to the east than just you know air Right. right. So. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, you could like, you could do a whole East ritual, you know? Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. And you should. <laughs> yes, you should. That's right. <laughs> yeah. So, so now that your book is out, um, are you going to be teaching people with it as well? You had mentioned that kind of at the beginning. Mm -hmm. is, is that kind of your plan with it or? Yes, I actually um, probably, you know, locally, I have had a lot of friends who are like, why don't you teach online? And um, I think because I've been an art instructor for so many years, I, I could do online. I've done online, but it's, I really like human interaction. I suffered <laughs> through the pandemic, I think. And so, um, yeah, I'll definitely be using it for some Wicca 101s. I'm probably starting one locally. I'm kind of doing a little pilot class to see how it goes. And um, I've recently just, um, with the pandemic, you know, it's not definitely not over. You know, we haven't, we're not out of the, the woods yet, I think, but people are interacting more. So I think it's going to afford me more of an opportunity to, um, to use it as a teaching tool. So up until now, um, it actually came out of my Wicca 101 classes. Um, but yeah, so I found I have a studio space that I teach out of sometimes, although it's predominantly for me to make my art. Um, and that's in the town of Phoenixville, um, which is a really cool town, but really bad for parking. So um, right now I'm kind of going to community centers uh, and saying, hey, would you be interested in this and starting to offer it? Very awesome. Yeah, thanks.
So you're going to have to do it online because. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I got, you know, and I do have all the graphics, you know, to do something online now. So right. that's true. That's it's just true. the new way. It just, we kind of it really evolved is. in that way with, with the pandemic. Mm -hmm. yeah. I don't know. In a way I find that's kind of one of the blessings of mm -hmm. really. Yeah. I just, um, I'm about to launch a new website, so if that allows me to set up virtual classrooms, that could be an outlet for it. Exciting. See, so, yeah, yeah. learning that software now, too. <laughs> it, it is. So with your art, oh, sorry. sorry, go ahead. <laughs> with your art and do you do you have a your own tarot deck or is your own tarot deck oh, in your I'm head? So that's you out. I actually have one moment nice <laughs> i'm gonna get up from my desk and walk through my home studio where are you where's that box okay and here's one of these All right, this might be the awkward phase where you want to edit something. <laughs> All right, so here I am. So I actually, um, it's been over 10 years. I can't believe it. I was in graduate school when I created my, I've self-published it. Um, the fellowship, oh, that's my husband play, playing the fiddle in the tower. <laughs> but I created uh, a deck called the Fellowship of the Fool and it's called that because everybody in it is somebody who is a friend or student or family member um and it was really fun i recreated it when i was in graduate school so i was really lucky to be able to make it part of my graduate school work and then i also wrote and self-published the fellowship of the full book to go with it and I'm still selling these, um, so I could should probably send you a link for that. <laughs> yes, I think you should. Yes. yes, when I, you know, I'll send you my link and work on getting my um, website up, like in the next week. That will be good motivation for that. Um, but yeah, and then I have another deck that I've been working on for the Kabbalistic Tarot, uh, and right now I'm sort of fighting with myself on how I want to lay it out and at least make a prototype deck that I can read from before I decide, you know, if I want to try to have someone publish it for me or if I want to self-publish because self-publishing is just, you know, I really, the thing that's been great about this book and having a publisher is I don't have to go to the post office to mail anything out. You know, it just, people can go on the, the publisher's website or they can go on Amazon um, and send the, send things out. So um, yeah, I just kind of have a weird phobia around the post office. <laughs> that's just me. So it makes things interesting. Oh, it does. It does. What I need is an assistant who I can just say, here, take this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But uh, so, yeah, I did that. That took about awesome. a year and a half to do. And um, like, it was really fun because people really wanted to pose for me. And uh, the thing, though, that I found in the year since I did it, it's like, I know everybody on the deck. And so sometimes I'll pull a card and the interpretation of the card doesn't really jive with the person whose image is on the card. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, 
you know, um, for somebody who doesn't know anybody in the deck, that's not an issue. But I was like, I need to create a deck that doesn't have any recognizable faces in it. So that's also part of what I've been doing with the Kabbalistic Tarot deck. So, and I shouldn't say Kabbalistic Tarot because there was a book written um, by that name by Robert Wang, to whom I owe quite a lot, actually. I've never met him, but his work has really influenced me in doing the work with the, what I want to call the illuminated Kabbalah. So um, anyway, um, that's where I'm, I'm running out of words. That's awesome. <laughs> you have so much on the go. It's so exciting. Thank you. So <laughs> Thank you. And so do you have kind of like your own system of Kabbalah that you follow, or do you kind of follow more mm. like the correspondences of say Libra 777 or mm. kind of more of like the Jewish mystic Kabbalah or mm. what kind of, what kind of system are you planning to follow with that? I kind of golden Dawnish um, for the most part, because um, I don't, I like Crowley and I've read a lot of his work, work and um, I love Lon Milo Duquette as well, who's written about Crowley's system of tarot. Um, but there's some uh, correspondences that Crowley made that I just don't agree with. Um, and it's not, it's not a judgment thing about whether it's good or bad or better than or less than. It's just, I'm like, yeah, that, that one doesn't work for me. So, um, so I pretty much stick with the Golden Dawn. Um, and I, I really love what Robert Wing has written because he looks at um, he looks at A.E. Waite's work and he looks at um, Crowley's tarot as well. So um, that's really useful. I've also really liked um, Ellen Cannon Reed. She wrote a book called The Witch's Kabbalah, which is really um, for people that are Wiccan. And um, that was one of my first introductions to the Tarot. So that was really useful. And then um, who else has been really, uh, I love Dolores Ashcroft Nowicki. Um, so I, you know, I'm pulling from some different sources. Very nice. Yeah, I just I just had to ask because I, I know lots mm -hmm. of Kabbalists that do things different than yes. you know say a Thelemite or a Golden Dawn right. and then I know mm -hmm. lots of witches that have like their own version of Kabbalah and you know they oh yeah got their entire associations are all their own so it's mm -hmm. always good to know <laughs> yeah I think and you know what's what I think is great about Kabbalah is it really does all work you know that's what's amazing about it is um it's a system that is so adaptable and can be you know many things can be laid upon it and work so uh i i tell people when i'm teaching pick the one you like and and go with it but and do it that way every time you know because it'll yeah. be um more powerful for you i think that's the biggest thing is you, you are mapping your own correspondences right and so yeah as long as your correspondences are attuned to you then you know that's, mm -hmm. that will always work for mm -hmm. you yeah. Oh, and Rachel Pollack, I really love her work. And she takes it from both because uh, she, of course, is more known, I think, for her work on the tarot. So she's got a very great tarot perspective, but she's also Jewish. So she brings in that knowledge, you know, from Hebrew mysticism. Sure, that's awesome. Yeah, I really like her work, too. So if people want to check out your stuff, where can they find it? Where, where can they find your book, your deck, all of that? Okay. Uh, my 
new website, which should be up hopefully within the next week or so, is going to be my name, helenadominic.com. And I'll have links to everything there. But you can also, if you go to Amazon and just enter in an illuminated guide to Wicca, you can find um, my book there. You can also go to the Schiffer Red Feather website and do the same thing. Uh, and you can also, as far as the Fellowship of the Fool, um, if you really want a copy of that, order soon because those are starting to go down. Because um, I, think I finished it in 2009 so that that was that's been for a while but yeah that'll the links to that will be on my website and, and so you won't republish another right. batch once they're done they're done I don't know you know maybe I'll I'll say Schiffer didn't seem to be interested in them my current publisher but maybe somebody else will be because yeah right. it's that's such a big undertaking and it it gets so expensive too you know I really give props to people who really go in there and self-publish and you know do it but it's just you know, also I hate going to the post office <laughs> <laughs> so it's nice if somebody else does it for me <laughs> yeah absolutely and it's nice to have advertisers <laughs> exactly exactly oh my goodness yeah that support is like great it's artists have a hard time tooting their own horn you know um i've gotten out there with with the book i've done a lot of my own marketing too because they encourage that um and i don't know if i would have done as well when i was younger honestly i i do have that you know I don't know, more of a push. This has been absolutely lovely, Helena. Oh, thank I, you. Well, thank, thank you, you so for much. Coming on the show today. I appreciate and, it. Yeah, it was a very, very lovely chat. And so thank if ever, anyone wants to check this out, check out the Illuminated Guide to Wicca, and you can get it pretty much anywhere books are published. So <laughs> that <laughs> is awesome. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Great. Thank you. I can send you links and things too. <laughs> links and things are great. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in, everybody, and we will see you in the next one.